Hey, welcome to the Coach Bo Knows Podcast here on the Studio Soapbox Network. I'm Coach Bo, Brian O'Connor. We're recorded live at the O'Connor Advisory Group Studios. You can check out all things O'Connor Advisory Group at OAGKS.com. You can interact with the show on Twitter and Instagram. Our handle is at Coach Bo Knows Show. Check out the Facebook page. Just search for Coach Bo Knows Show. And you can email us at CoachBonosShow at gmail.com. This is episode 56.5. And as always in the point five, I'm joined by the legal counsel of the Coach Bonos podcast, the token girl. She has great legs and even greater mind. My co-host, Ellen Wigginter. Ellen, how are you today? What's up, my man? It's been a couple of weeks since we've had a chance to talk. Yes. Unfortunately, we, I had to ride solo last, last Friday, which ended up being Saturday. And you know, just life happens for both of us sometimes. And it does. And I appreciate you allowing me the day off, frankly. Well, I mean, it isn't like I'm that bad a boss. I don't pay well either. <laughs> so I gotta give you some PTO, I guess. <laughs> appreciate that very much. <laughs> hey, we're gonna keep this tight today because we both got stuff to do and we're recording very late. We're recording on Friday afternoon. Um, and uh we'll get this out when it gets out, and we're gonna go from there. But um Hey, there's something big. I know you're in Colorado. We haven't seen this yet, but I know you're a KU grad, so I, I want to talk about it. There is some energy here in Lawrence, Kansas this week. It seems hot. So between um, the KU women's volleyball team, almost beating Texas, the number one ranked volleyball team, uh, lost in five sets a couple of nights ago. And a sold-out football game that maybe, for the first time in several years, mostly KU fans. <laughs> I saw the joke that it was the first time. Uh, what is it? Um, KU has a home sellout coming out. Uh, they're playing Duke on Saturday, Saturday morning, eleven a.m. local time. And mm-hmm. um, I saw. I think it was on Twitter. I saw someone said. Um, you know, when KU announced they have a sellout, it was saying, hey, it's the first time the Hawks played in a home sellout in, you know, since like 2009, I think it is. Right, which is like all these records are kind of stemming from that 09 season. The Orange Bowl team, the 08 Orange Bowl team. Yeah, and it was funny because there was a thing saying, you know, KU's playing in front of a sold-out stadium at home, you know. Usually that's they play in a couple sold out games a year, but usually it's in Texas or in Oklahoma or, you know, Kansas State or something like that. Or, or West it, Virginia. Yeah. At home, but it's predominantly the other team. I remember being in law school and going to the KU Oklahoma game and Oklahoma's ranked number one and three quarters of memorial stadium was red i i go back as far as i remember my freshman year of college when i went to kansas state and i was at k-state and we played ku and k-state played a thursday night game oh shit in ku and it was sold out and there were more ku fans or k-state fans there were more k-state students than KU students. Yeah. We made the trek from Lawrence, from Manhattan to Lawrence. Yeah. Uh, and it was crazy. And, and we won that game. I mean, we, 
That's what I did at K-State. I'm, I don't really call myself a K-Stater. And I wasn't there during the yeah. 08-09 seasons. Yeah. Um, I did turn down an Iron Bowl Alabama Auburn Auburn game. I hate, I can't say Auburn very well, but anyway, um, did turn down either. that game because it was the KU-Missouri game. Yeah, uh, yeah. So I... I it just hasn't been this way. And I'm yeah. really glad that campus, the students, the community and extended community is all really gathering around KU and showing up. Yeah. Well, and you know, there's been a lot of hot rumors about Lance Leipold and, and yes. you know, Nebraska calling him possibly. And he's made it very clear. He's not interested. He's not answering the phone right now. Uh, the, the line he had this past week was, he said he and his wife didn't move here from Buffalo in order for him to move somewhere else. I had the chance to meet him over the summer a couple of times, uh-huh. and I was at his home twice. And um, both times, his wife's a dog. She's a sweetheart of a lady. And they were hosting the, the players. The player had a big party for the players a couple weeks in a row. Through my wife's business, I was with her, and we were sure. over there. And I got to have a chance to chat with him for a couple of minutes. I'm very impressed by them. I'm very impressed with what they're doing. And a big part of it is with the transfer portal now, it's my NIL stuff. Right. You can change a team fairly quickly. And they're not going to turn on a dime and be a 10-win team or even an 8-win team this season. But, man, Jalen Daniels is for real. He's lovely. And, (laughs) I mean, they brought in Kai Thomas, brought him back to Kansas from Minnesota. Uh, where he wasn't getting, I mean, he was Minnesota's leading rusher last year. Right. He's back home to Kansas. He's with Topeka. Devin Neal, who's a local yes. kid in Lawrence, who we've known Devin since he was a, a kid. Yeah. He was not leaving Lawrence this whole time. He's told everybody he was going to be a KU kid. There's an excitement that they haven't had really since those, that 08 Orange Bowl team and the, you know, that, that was an exciting time. You know, oh, really absolutely. the Mangino years. Yes. And yeah. it's it's wild watching it from afar. So it's really fun to see you just compliment and say, yeah, it's not just kind of a thing that you're seeing on social media. It is reality in and around Lawrence because you yeah. live there. You are with folks. Yeah kind of seeing what people are talking about and to me that's a lot of fun because KU has never been deemed to be a football school my whole thing and I've lived here for 20 years now Mm -hmm. and my thing is I've never been a Jayhawk I I was I went to K-State I went to South Carolina but always adjacent yeah I'm Jayhawk and Jason is what I call it exactly what I call it my wife worked for KU for years. We thought our son was going to go there. He may someday in the future. Who knows? But I've always been kind of Jayhawk adjacent. Part of it also is I'm a football guy. They haven't been real good at football except for that team in 08, 09. Yeah. Mangino years. And I know a few of those guys, and they're all great guys. We've had, sure. we've had I mean, Raymond Brown's been on the show. He's one of my best friends. And he was on those teams. And we've got to know a few of those others that are on those teams. And, you know, Mike. Michael Brown's been on this team. Yep. You know, Michael's on those teams. And I've gotten to know some of those guys, but then it just after Mangino left and you had the 
the influx of different guys. And really the guy to me that messed it all up was um, um, Charlie. Charlie, Charlie Weiss. Yep. Charlie, because he didn't, he didn't take the atmosphere of college. He didn't take to that. And I'll give you an example. At the time when he came here, I was coaching a youth team here in town. And Lawrence Youth Football worked where we had like five teams and they all did a camp every summer. Okay. And so the coaches from each team ran a day. And then we all ran a day together. The head coach at Kansas, whoever it was before, whether it was Mangino, Mm -hmm. whether it was uh, Glenn Mason, whoever it was before, for 20 years had always come and spoke to those kids on the last day of that camp. Sure. Charlie Weiss wouldn't do it. Oh, seriously? Seriously. And the guy who at the time ran Marshall was a former KU player. And, and he was, and he was the reason they got all these people. And it got to where players were coming. Those, those, those Mangino players. Were oh, coming. wow. Mangino would speak. And then those players would come and help run the camps. And so the kids were seeing this and there was an excitement. Charlie Weiss came out and he thought he was another day. And he thought, I, this is a different animal. I don't, I don't care about what happens in Lawrence. He wanted something bigger. I had no idea when I just threw Charlie out there. Yes. Wow. And so then Charlie Weiss leaves. Turner Gill became the coach. Yeah. And I loved Turner. Turner was a great guy. And he just wasn't ready for that job. But isn't it interesting that he also came from Buffalo? Yes. I always felt that in his case, it was he came here because he wanted the Nebraska job. Yeah. And he couldn't get the Nebraska job. And I think there was a reason he couldn't get that job. And then he came here and didn't have that much success. But he was never really fully accepted by people here either. No. And, And I really think that... There's a lot to play into that, but he tried. Mm-hmm. He got back involved in the local community and some things there, but sure. he also didn't have any success. And he wasn't as big a name as Charlie Weiss was. Yeah. And then we had the revolving stuff, and then they tried it with Les Miles, and we all have heard about rumors about what happened with Les Miles, and obviously the LSU stuff caught up to him eventually. But Lance Leipold wants to be here. Well, and that's the thing. He doesn't mind being a quote unquote up and comer, even though he's nearly 60 yeah. and has had great success on every single level that he's coached at in college. I think KU kind of tried to grab a brass ring yeah. with some of those coaches. Absolutely. You know, Charlie Weiss, oh, you know, New England offensive coordinator, let's get that. Uh, Les Miles, you know, great LSU, you know, coach, let's get that. And they just couldn't. And I think some of the beauty of all of this, frankly, is Leipold being able to grow that grassroots recruitment and family and just sense of people buying in that I don't think KU has had for maybe 15 years. Yeah. I think the number one thing that kicked it off was Devin Neal. Devin Neal, who played at Lawrence High, who could have gone a lot of different places. And he, 
He chose to stay in Lawrence, go to Kansas. With okay. a, there was a lot of people, even just a couple of years before, they were people who, like Kai Thomas in Topeka, a right. couple kids here in Lawrence who were big-time recruits and didn't go. They didn't stay. You know, there's three of them from Free State High School that are at Kansas State right now, all playing at K-State. Right. Uh, you know, one of them is at Nebraska playing left tackle right now. These were all guys that there was no reason KU shouldn't have kept them all. And it'd be because, but there was no atmosphere. There was no, exactly. there, it was no reason to stay. Right. And Devin Neal, and when he put out, I, I know I've shared it before, I might share it again. The letter he wrote last season, mm-hmm. why he chose to stay in Lawrence. It was sort of his love letter to Lawrence. Right. And I think that's what turned some of the attitudes around. Well, yeah, and they did a huge capital raising, that kind of thing for the alumnus, and now they're talking about, Travis Goff had an interview this week that it's not only Memorial Stadium, but it's Ellen Fieldhouse that are getting upgrades. I mean, Memorial Stadium may not exist in its current state in a few years. It could be scraped and built which I think so long as the Campanile stays as KU grad and understanding for why they built both, so long as you have a Campanile tower, cool. I get doing what you need to do and I, and I appreciate it. And I sure as hell appreciate any upgrades to Alton Fieldhouse. Um, but that's part of the excitement around the whole department and it's not just football or basketball it's soccer and it's volleyball and it's it's exciting to see just as an alumnus from afar going this is really kind of dope and you can get behind it and get excited about it and continue to talk about it outside of our little bubble yeah yeah, I mean, KU is a big deal again now. And it's not just basketball. Yes. That was one thing I kind of resented in the time I've lived here in the beginning. Was that <laughs> I was like, God damn, people, why don't you get a football team? I'll root for you. Right? Because I'm a football first guy. I always have been. I admit that. And basketball is like my third favorite sport. It's like way behind football and baseball. Right. And, and, and here it's kind of like no basketball is everything. I'm like, you motherfuckers need to realize what's going on in the world. And it doesn't mean I'm right. It just means that's how I feel. But I, there's an excitement now, which I really love. And KU is now 3-0. Let's talk. Let's get to the game a little bit here. <laughs> KU is 3-0. They beat Houston. I did not see them beating Houston. I, I won money. On you them. won money. You were on KU plus the points last week. Again. I said I thought it would be a close game. I wasn't willing to bet it. The better horses were on the Houston sideline, but I said I didn't trust Dana Horgelson. He's a terrible offensive play caller. That's why he got fired <laughs> in this opinion. Houston's got like five-star recruits on their fucking team. It's wild. And that quarterback's incredible. And I'm sitting there going, why aren't they any good? And it's because he sucks. I watched their game against BYU a couple weeks ago. I was like, this guy fucking sucks. So I'm, I'm down on that. So I was like, okay, I'm gonna, I'm not gonna bet that game. I'm just like, sure. <laughs> I hadn't seen KU. I only saw the scores. Sure. And I was like, eh, let's see what happens. 
KU's the leading scorer in the nation. Jalen Daniels. And Jalen Daniels rocks. This kid is, he's the, he transferred from, was he an Arizona State guy? <clears throat> I don't think he transferred. No, no, no. That was the one that's at LSU. That's JD Daniels is at LSU. Yeah, no, Jalen came in last year and he started towards the end of the season last year. And he transferred here. I can't remember from where. Okay. Um, but he was very at- much about being at KU and yes. building the team. Yeah. He just shared on his Twitter last night about how the, he, took, he took the offensive line out for dinner at Johnny's. They had yep. a huge pizza thing set up for him at Johnny's store. I love Johnny's. Shout out to Johnny's. They, they had Johnny's pizza. Yeah, Johnny's pizza is so good. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man, I'm hungry now. How about, they got how about that for a local sponsor, by the way? That, that's, yeah. So, yeah, we'd love to have Johnny's as a local sponsor. Uh, but, hey, Duke uh, is going to be in the house. Duke is also 3-0. and Which is ridiculous. Like, if yeah. you look at, I think there's been a variety of uh, people who have put out the breakdowns. Kentucky... North Carolina, Kansas, Duke, and Indiana, yeah. who are all undefeated at this point in the season that you would think it was the basket. We think it's basketball teams, yeah. Yeah, it's, and, it's pretty wild. Yeah. Well, the Duke thing's even more surprising because it's a new coach as well. David Kleckles left. He's He was there for years. Okay. He's now a special assistant at Texas to the offensive staff there. And their new coach, I was reading about him earlier today, is like a, he's like a savant. He's like a math savant. Does he look as young as the, uh, what is it, the Vikings coach who looks like he's 12? No, the Vikings coach looks really young. Okay. But um, they were talking about how the coach at Duke is an avid, was an avid poker player in college. Okay. And that he honed his poker skills on the mathematical side. And that's how he got to college. I guess he went to Rutgers. Oh, I mean, he was, yeah. So, I mean, he's, uh, but I, I did find it interesting that you have, you know, the situation where you kind of have new coaches. Um, I mean, Lakeville's been a couple of years now, but for sure, coach Duke, they're three and oh. Um, you know, they've, I got to pull their schedule here, but they're three and oh with wins over Temple, Northwestern, and NCATT. That's not, you know, it, NCANT is not, you know, it's, it's Division II school. We used to call uh, it FBS or FCS. No. Otherwise but, known as a directional school. More. Yes. And um, they score a lot of points as well. Yeah. Uh, Mike Elko is the name of the coach at Duke. Okay. And uh, yeah, it's, it was, there's an interesting article that uh, Pete Thom had on ESPN.com about him today. I read it this morning and it was pretty interesting. I mean, KU's a seven-point favorite in the game. Right. I, If I would have – if you would have come to me in August and said, Bo, how much money would you put that KU is going to be a seven-point favorite in any game this season except for game one? I'd have been like, oh, hell no. Correct. And this game has been bet down from a seven-and-a-half-point yeah, line. Yeah, it's moved to a couple a little bit. And, man, it, it – I know that's we're going to get into the DraftKings segment here later, and I think we're going to spoil that a little bit. But we know who someone's going with. Yes, I, I'm, I'm personally not touching the game because one, I don't want to put any mojo, my bad mojo, on the Jayhawks, and two, it's going to be high scoring. I know that. 
So I, if I might pick something there, I think the over, but I haven't even looked at that yet. So um, I don't feel real good about betting on anything this weekend. I have to, we'll talk about that in a little bit. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean, it's really exciting. I was looking at the KU schedule and what's kind of coming up for them. I mean, we got to be realistic. This is not going to be a team that's going to run the table. No. They've got Duke. They've got Iowa State next week, which is a home game as well, and it should be a good game. Because it's homecoming. It's homecoming. It'll be a full house. If they, if they beat Duke, they're going to get a full house for Iowa State. Yes. It'll be a good game. I'm going to make the assumption right now that Iowa State gets them. But I, I'm not 100% certain on that. And depending on how they look against Duke, I might pick Kansas. Sure. Then they have, then KU has TCU coming here. TCU has not looked good this season. No. It's a very winnable game for KU. It was a game that preseason I thought was a winnable game. Then they get into KU gets Murderers into a, they get into a ruckus here then. At Oklahoma, at Baylor, then they host Oklahoma State. I think Oklahoma State's the best team in the Big 12 right now. That's probably three else. Got it. I could have they, to assume so. Could they go into Baylor and outscore Baylor? Possibly. You could possibly outscore Oklahoma, but you're going to have to score 50. There'll be a, there's going to be near 100 points in that game. <laughs> They're not beating Oklahoma State. Oklahoma State's good. Okay. That might be Gundy's best team. Bless, bless the mullet. Yeah. Right then you got KU goes to Texas Tech, which Texas Tech, again, not a great team. Played a really good game a couple weeks ago at home. I watched. Yeah. Um, when they beat Houston there, I was like, God, that's, that's a good team at home. Uh, so you got to go on the road there. Again, I could see Kansas winning that. I can see going back one way or the other. I mean, I'm not judging. Again. Sure. Then you got Texas coming to Kansas. You know, it's easy to say. Guaranteed Kansas win. Texas two in a row. <laughs> but Quinn Ewers is back. He's healthy. He'll be healthy. He'll especially be healthy by then, you'd think. Will he, though? Yeah, I mean, he's supposed to be playing this week. Yeah, he's supposed to be, but... <laughs> I is think he's, he better play because I think he's worried who's coming to town next season. Oh, I have no doubt about that, but that's going to be the biggest issue with yeah. that Texas team. Yeah. yeah. I still think Quinn Ewers is transferring at the end of the season. Because Arch is coming to town. Either that or Arch is going to surprise everybody and go somewhere else. LSU. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, then the last game of the season, KU is at K State. This, I did not know until Bo and I were talking offline about it. Shocking. Okay, so I was in the Jones Report a couple nights ago, and we're talking about KU and K-State, and I kind of threw it out there and said, hey, K-State has not looked good. They got beat up by Tulane, which I saw coming, but K-State's not good. KU is a better team than K-State right now. Okay. I, I, they're higher scoring. You cannot get a shootout with Kansas if you're Kansas State. Kansas State's going to have to play a flawless defensive game because they can't score 40 points against a good, against a good team. They just can't. Okay. So it's going to be, I mean, if they're going to beat KU, they're going to have to score a shitload of points, which they haven't done yet. Okay. There is a chance 
that Kansas and Kansas State play on November 26th, Thanksgiving weekend, and the winner of that game goes to a bowl, and the loser does not. So there's a chance the first, that, first time in years. Yeah. Several years, at least. Yeah. So there's a chance they both could go. There's a chance they could both have six wins going in that game, and that's the seventh for, for either of them. But there's a chance that both of them could be sitting on five wins, given the schedules, because K-State's got a tough schedule, too. Right. And, 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 and then losing Tulane really hurt. Oh, for that sure. That was a game they should not have lost, and they did. And I think there's a chance that a KU-K-State game could be for a bowl bit. I just think it's interesting. If nothing else, it's fun. It's it is, extra to add on to that game. I mean, it is completely fun being kids who mostly grew <clears throat> up in Kansas. Not totally, but mostly. Yeah. To know that the KU-K State football game was colloquial called the toilet bowl. Yeah. Because a, it was just the shit of the shit. Well, there's a there was a, a Sports Illustrated article in the yeah. 1980s that that called that named KU and K State the, the toilet bowl game right before was, Bill Snyder was hired at K State. Yeah, it was just it was bad, and I of course, oh what did he do it? Uh, Aaron Judge, nope, nope, someone else. Sorry, Aaron Hicks just hit a home run gearing up for the Aaron judge stuff. Um, anyway, uh, yeah, it's kind of ridiculous to think that these football teams have kind of languished for so long and had some peak moments. I was there for K-State's peak moments. <laughs> Fortunately for me, um, wasn't there for KU's, but to see them kind of come together when at least one of them is kind of back on the rise is a lot of fun. Yeah. There's a little undercurrent to the KUK state rivalry right now too. And that's sure. locally in that I really like both coaches. Mm-hmm. I think Lance Leipold's a good coach. I think Chris Kleinemann's a good coach. What Kleinemann's done really well is he's dominated recruiting in the state, except for Devin Neal. Uh, you got and now Kai Thomas has come back. And he's oh, 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 nope, short. Sorry, Delete I'm deleting that. all of this stuff. By the way, sorry, Ellen's trying to watch Aaron, Aaron Judge go for 61, and I'm just sitting here hoping he doesn't get it. Uh, just trying to be I can't root for a Yankee, I just can't root for anything. New York, Yankees. I'm being of the moment. That's all. I hope he, hope he strikes out five times. Oh, I've been getting hit all weekend. And I hope Bogart's you can mark you can mark the timeline. I've already got a note here. Anyway, uh, so you enjoy yeah. the the folks and the coaches. Yeah. So what my thing was is that Kleinman has done a good job recruiting in state. He's got, got the best players from Derby High School, who's been a yeah. dominant team locally. Uh, even here in Lawrence, the three big uh, free state kids who were division one guys mm-hmm. all had a chance to go to Kansas and they all chose Kansas state. Okay. And they're all playing at Kansas state. I think it's four of them now who are all playing at Kansas over the last three years. And it's like, man, if those kids could flip over to KU. Sure. 
that that makes that rivalry a little tougher. And and if they can start bringing, it just shows how NIL has changed some things in the portal. Some of these people that have come over to KU and the portal, there's an excitement. And it's not about big money. It's about the excitement of playing here and playing in a good program with a yeah. good coach. And, you know, I'm sure there's other things to it as well. And I'm sure there's also some money involved in it. But the chance to do that, I think it's important. And I think it's really cool that KU has done this. Absolutely. Uh, I would be interested in your local hearings if NIL is part of any of that beyond just the excitement beyond Leopold and, or Leipold, sorry, and his staff. I'll go back and forth in the pronunciation. Yeah, I know. Um, Because I think his staff, he and his staff have a lot to do with this, which is a lot of fun given the coaching staffs that KU has faced in the last 10 plus years. Yeah. KU has accepted the idea of the transfer portal. Yes. And to me, the teams that accept the idea of the transfer portal are the ones who can improve. Absolutely. And well, it's it's going to be a bigger differential in football as it is to basketball. But absolutely. Well, in basketball, one player can change a team. Yes. In football, it's going to take a number of players. But – yeah. The way these guys recruit now is a lot of times the kids are recruiting each other. Absolutely. And if it doesn't work somewhere and they go, hey, let's go to Kansas. Or, you know, whether it's somewhere else and you can see this in other places too. I think Tennessee is doing it in the SEC right now. Kentucky has done it in the SEC where they're just taking transfer kids and saying, fuck it. I mean, let's go. And it's these kids who all knew each other. They all played each other in different, you know, things all through through high school. And they go, hey, man, I'm not starting at LSU or I'm not starting at Texas A&M. Boy, I can go to Kentucky. And then maybe I should call my buddy who's at Florida State and he's not starting. Let's see if we both go to Kentucky. Let's see if we can both go to Kansas. Or the guys who have all left Arizona State because they saw that Herb Edwards is going to get fired. (laughs) Did you see that story yet? Yes. Oh, my God. So we might get to that at the end. I don't know how much time we have, but I will definitely address the Herm Edwards thing on, on Monday's pod. Okay. All right. I do want to kind of move on. I, we're talking talk about KU. We both like KU to win this week. Yes. You've got them covering. I'm taking the over. I think I got to look at the number for the over. I just pulled DraftKings and look it up, but I'm not going to. We're going to get this thing moving. But uh, yeah, it's exciting times in Lawrence. I want you to lead a discussion on this next time. Because you are a little more, you are, you've seen more on it than I. I've only seen the the bones pieces of this, and this is a big story in the NBA. Um, Woj, uh, Woj broke a big story on ESPN about the suspension of Udoka, the uh, the Celtics head coach. Yeah. Will you take it from me here. Run it, run it, run it, run it for me. Tell me what's going on. So I'm not sure I can explain it much more than was what was explained today at the press conference um, yesterday or the day before. I'm, I'm not sure. Rumors started running via Twitter, via Woj and other people 
that uh, Udoka was going to be suspended for at least a year because of a consensual relationship that he had with a female staffer. Based on what I could catch on the press conference today, which was limited just because I had other work obligations, um, Brad Stevens was really pissed about the scenario in part because yesterday was fueled by social media trying to figure out which female staffer was involved in this, which I will uh, agree is gross, shouldn't happen, and shouldn't matter. Um, the, so Udoka has been suspended for a year. So the current NBA season, he will not be coaching. They have an interim coach for one of their assistants coming in. And it is unknown if he will be fired. The suggestion is, is that the parties are working this out to determine probably if it's for a cause, whatever, blah, 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 under the terms of Udoka's contract. There are a few things that I'm interested in learning, which we may never learn. And I understand that. One, where the leak came from. Because this could have been handled under the cover of night if it's not some gross misfeasance very easily and would be understandable. Two, what is the standard of conduct which was breached? Because unfortunately, there's been several coaches within the Celtics ranks who are currently employed who have not been great people. Um, three, just from just a curiosity standard, who leaked what and why? But to the best of my knowledge, that's kind of the summation of this whole Celtics scenario. Yeah, so I'm reading a little bit about this now. Yep. The new report, this is uh, midday today on Friday from mm -hmm. Tim Bomteps on ESPN.com. And it's a couple quotes in here from Mike Grousebeck, the owner of the Celtics. Yep. And you're spot on with what you're saying, but it looks like Ivy Doku. This is following a, a couple of month long investigation where they had Correct. the attorneys got involved. Um, sources have told Adrian Wojnarowski that Udoka had an intimate relationship with a female member of the franchise's staff. Mm -hmm. Everything we've heard, and again, we don't know this, but we everything we've heard, this is a consensual relationship. Yes. And I believe the Celtics confirmed this, Brad Stevens and their owner confirmed this, GM, in the press conference yeah. today. So Brad Stevens has a quote. I'm going to read it. This is damning. Not toward, it is toward speculation. Nobody can control Twitter speculation and rampant bullshit. But I do think we as an organization have a responsibility to support them now. This is the person involved with the relationship. Yes. Because a lot of people were dragged unfairly into this. It's about the speculation of who the staffer was. Well, because 
yesterday. Matt Stevens is pissed. He's pissed about the fact that women are dragged. Yeah. Okay, Brad Stevens was understandably and should be even more vocal about what happened yesterday is that every single sports whatever that covers the nba was like is it this woman picture is it this one picture it was basically just like a line of women who were just paraded out and going okay these women are staffers so therefore they are possible suspects it was a weird lineup scenario that happened yesterday that media should really back away from. Yeah. I, I call it the barstool effect. <clears throat> oh, God. You know, this is what these, these are those guys do. And Stephen he, A called out barstool yeah. in, a, yeah. uh, in a beneficial way today. And I was. I well, felt gross. You, you said that in a way, and, and I want to be clear, when you said this, these people who are speculating on who the staffer is, one, it's not important. No. It's not important. This is an internal situation, and the staffer, that information should not be released. Two, for people in the media to come out and say and speculate who this is and call them, and call it, is it this person that have to call them suspects? Yeah, essentially. They're suspects. They didn't do anything wrong. You know, this could have been handled a lot of different ways. Unfortunately, in this news era of whether you want to call it fake news or the first to the first to say something, it doesn't matter if you get it right as long as you're first. And Woj fucked everybody on this deal. And then all the follow-ups have been irresponsible by the media. And that's my understanding is that it was basically a pissing match between Woj and another reporter who was yeah. understanding the same kind of information. And it's just like, okay, cool. I understand from a news standpoint that this is something, yeah. but from a collateral damage standpoint, standpoint these male reporters really don't know don't care don't care to know what the impact is and that really fucking sucks yeah and you know i think it really hurts kind of you and i's sensitivities on this especially because we're people who when we grew up when we were younger we both were writers at one point we were both people who said we grew up that you confirmed stories and you didn't speculate like this and you didn't add to the fire that would hurt someone else in the speculation right you just don't run to be you first. don't run to be first you, you it's more important to be right than it is to be first yes and to be correct i should say right it's more important for us to be correct with the information we report than it is right. to be the first one yeah and that is clearly not what happened here no i don't know what happened i'm sure there are ndas and we ain't gonna find out shit Never will. Never will. There'll be speculation in a few years. Somebody read a book, that kind of thing. But we're not going to know. It there was not a crime committed. No, it was a consensual relationship that broke some rules internally. And look, there has been a famous 
relationship between an NBA head coach and a member of a staff of a Hall of Famer, one of the maybe the all-time great in Phil Jackson, had a long time affair and relationship with Jeannie Buss. And the thing of it is, is that yes, you can have protocols and and employee manuals and all that kind of shit. And if you feel like your female staffers are being denigrated, um, not included or just discounted, yes, absolutely. Let's follow through on some of this shit. But I don't know. I really kind of wonder if everyone is coming out and saying this is a consensual relationship. What are the Celtics really trying to achieve in this besides covering their ass? My only speculation that I'm willing to give, Mm -hmm. I don't know any of these staffers, don't know anything about it, and I won't accuse a person of anything outside of who we know is involved. Sure. That is, I'm Adoku. If I'm Adoku behaves a certain way with staff, especially female staff in the building, and there was unwanted conversations, physicality, then absolutely this is deserving. If this is a consensual relationship and there was nothing else, I don't see the big deal. But if it was, if it wasn't consensual or pressured, or if there was other distasteful behavior, yeah, then okay, I'm in. I, I I'm with you. Yeah. Now they've done their due diligence. They've made a decision to suspend the coach for a full year, and that's pretty hefty. So it would Especially lead me to believe there's something more to it but I'm not going to sit here and speculate who the person is. That's disrespectful and it's idiotic. Well, and I think Stephen A, even though he kind of got caught off guard with his whole premise of it um, after the press conference today, which I was able to catch, his point was they have kind of screwed the coach for any number of years. Yeah. By keeping him off the market saying he's suspended, he's not fired. We don't know what's going on with that, but that could happen. And so from an economic standpoint, I can understand that, but I think just from being a female, Let's be a little bit more open as to what happened. I'm sorry if that exposes women. It's unfortunate. But the thing of it is, is that if you don't talk about it, guys don't know that it's wrong. Yeah, they're very true. Very true. And so if you say X, Y, and Z is fine because it's compliant with the team manual or standards of conduct, but don't come back and say X, Y, and Z were in violation of it. People aren't going to know what the lines are. And especially, I'm sorry, men 
who are just given a wider berth in all of this than anyone else. So lay it out there, give people guardrails that they can say, oh, can't go beyond X, Y, and Z because A, B, and C, whatever. Give them the knowledge that hopefully they can build upon. I'm with you. I just, I think it's just the reporting on this bothers me. So I, that's why I wanted to bring it up. No, it sucks. It shouldn't be a race to the first report on something that I would tend to think is at least damaging emotionally to one person, if not both. I don't know. Yeah. Well, and why do you want to fuck with other people's emotional and physical relationships just for a headline? Yeah. Well, let's talk about another thing the media is getting wrong. Yeah. I made mention of it on the previous pod. And I just kind of hit it at the end and said, go out there and go get this information. The welfare queen, as I'm now referring to him. God bless. Brett Favre. The media is not looking at this story at all. No, they've been distracted. They've been distracted. And, and it helps that he is Brett Favre and he is white as driven snow. Yep. And, and dumb is, as fuck. And he and he has and he has Wrangler commercials. And you know, I'm just a good old boy from southern Mississippi. Yeah, yeah fuck you. Brett Favre is part of a uh, I'm gonna call it a scheme. It's a scheme. They stole a, a group that stole seventy-seven million dollars from the state of Mississippi welfare fund. Far along with the former governor and a number of other things here, we're seeing now the, what in a not-for-profit organization. A lot of this money was funneled through. Yep. In Far's part, it was to build a volleyball complex at the University of Southern Mississippi which is where his daughter goes to school. It's where he's an alumnus. Yep. It's where she played volleyball at the time. I don't know if she's still there or not. No, I don't but know. So. Wow, wow, wow. Now, the, one of the people involved in this whole thing yesterday on Thursday pled guilty. <laughs> and we're seeing that I mean, basically there are text messages. Um, it, the, the, Brett Favre was texting the governor of Mississippi at the time about this, the governor was pushing some things through after leaving office is what they're trying right. to hide behind. Sure. Um, it, it's just a, a, an absolute shit show. Um, and now if you go to the front page of ESPN.com, uh-huh. you'll see nothing about it. Of course not. If you go to ESPN.com and you go to the front of the NFL page, you'll see nothing about this. Of course not. So I, I, I'm gonna. I don't know. Like it's it's one of those things that how many times can Brett Favre get his hand slapped, figuratively, figured, fig, <laughs> figuratively. God, I can't say that word. Um, financially, like criminally this isn't the first time that this has happened so 
there's a famous story of Brett Favre at the end of his career with the Jets. Yeah. The photos and the text messages with Jen Sturger. Yeah. And, or, you know, Mr. Happy got brought out and, you know, she didn't want these, but it, she, he got them anyway. I, I want to read the article. This is on NBC.com. And uh, a key figure in Mississippi's welfare spending scandal has pled guilty to federal fraud charges under an arrangement that signals he may be cooperating. John Davis directed Mississippi's welfare agency while it doled out millions of dollars. Now we know that number is 77 million now. Right. To projects investigators now say were improper, including a new volleyball facility requested by former NFL quarterback Brett Favre that benefited his daughter. But it's not even that. There was a, a previous thing that um, he was either, he pled guilty to around state funds for Mississippi. Yes. yes, another one, another part of this is that Favre also secured 3.2 million for a drug company in which he had invested, according to court documents. So um, at some point you kind of wonder, yes, CTE, his brain has been knocked around. He may not be fully aware of what he's signing off on, but this is a repeated behavior. Yeah. Let's talk about Brett Favre. Okay. I was listening to Andrew Brandt's podcast. Andrew Brandt is the former Packers general manager. Okay. Who's now the head of the sports law program at um Villanova Villanova I'm sorry yeah okay. so long time and uh, he tells a story on his last podcast that he didn't want it he, he was saying hey I don't know what all has happened with Brett and I've known Brett all these years but the reason one of the things that was a problem when Brett Favre was with us in the Packers was continuously through his career he would go to the Packers organization in the offseason and he would request that a portion of his salary get paid as a bonus because he was short money. Okay. Brett Favre, I guess, has a money issue. I guess he doesn't know how to save money. He was one of the highest paid players in the league during his career. But apparently Brett Favre was just not a smart man at all. And, you know, you brought up CTE. I'm not willing to go there. Yeah. and, And I say this a couple of ways. Yes, it could be very well be a part of it. Sure. Uh, we don't see that with any football player. But Brett Favre, when you hear these kind of stories and you see what happened with the, the, the text messages later in his life, mm-hmm. this one now we're seeing text messages between him and the governor. You know, as Nick Wright put it, you know, he's breaking the, the Stringer Bell rules over here. You know, this is just ridiculous. Right. This guy is not a smart individual. He's not. This guy didn't know what a nickel nickel defense was until his second year in the NFL. Okay. It just means you have five defense spots. That's all it means. Okay. Five. That's all it means. Brett Favre didn't know this until he had to be taught this his second year in the NFL. This is not a genius. But what it is is someone who has a name, is able to use that name, Mm -hmm. and he has now used that name in – an illegal scheme that benefited him and his family. Right. And this has Trumpian kind of layers to this to me. 
This feels like a Donald Trump kind of thing. And he is it, a Trump supporter. And he's a Trump <laughs> supporter. It, what it means to me, what it shows me is that it's just, it's this pure lack of any sort of ethics. Yeah. That certain people think because of who they are, they can get away with things. Yes. Yes. And clearly Brett Favre feels that way. Yes. That's why I said at the end of my podcast, I didn't get into the whole thing. I told everybody, go to Mississippi.com or what was it? Um, the, the, the links I shared, they're great articles. They're on the Twitter. If you're on the Coach Bono's show Twitter, if you want to check it out, some great reporting of what is going on in this investigation. They've already got one person flipped. Yeah. There is a chance that Brett Favre can go to jail over this. But he's not. They're not. There's no chance. No, he's, rich. No. he's Brett Favre and he's rich. He's not going to prison. He's a white dude. Yeah, and he's a, he's a rich white guy. He's not going to prison. Yeah. Anytime soon. But to me, it really was just another example of two things. One, rich white people who can get over on everybody else yep. because of who they are by name. And then it also bothered me because of what we just talked about in the story with the Celtics coach. We're seeing all this talked about. Stephen A. has to talk about it on the whole morning show. But we don't have any mentions of Brett Favre. No. Go to ESPN.com and look. I it, I dare you to go find me an article on it. On or the, the Phoenix Suns owner who was found by an independent investigation to be so racist that he felt the need to put the Suns and the Mercury on the market. Yeah. I mean, it's wild and it makes you, it makes you cringe a little bit and hope it is not that Literally, thing. I just went into ESPN.com, mm-hmm. typed in Brett Favre. Second thing, there is an article about yep. this from 10 days ago, September the 13th. And this is not credited to anybody. It says ESPN News Services. Sure. Staffer. And it's Barry, the staffer, and it's Barry. Yeah. I couldn't find it unless I searched for Brett Favre. Yeah. I mean, it, I don't know. It's, it's tough. And it, it, it makes me uncomfortable about what the NBA is doing to have something in one hand and hide something in the other. They got some text messages in here. All right. So here's some of the text messages. These are between Favre and, and Governor Phil Bryant. Mm. From far, if you were to pay me, is there any way the media could yes. find out where it came from and how much? Yep. So we may consider Brett Favre a little bit not so up to date. He is mindful enough, having been through the whole dick pic scenario, to know that the media can figure this shit out. Uh-huh. And that's the big thing, kind of, I think to me overall, talk about the timing of this, talk about the understanding of what is going on with the son's ownership. Yeah. And we hadn't got into the son's ownership and what all's happening there. And that's other shit going on. It's like, oh my God, how are you guys fucking this thing up? And it is in the NBA and 
they are topping it on top of a consensual relationship. Okay. Happen to be with a black coach. Yes, it does. Phoenix Suns owner. Hmm. Is that a white guy? Yes. Just said that he's going to sell the Suns and the Mercury Suns because Mercury. of all of this. Yeah. I don't know. About the Suns? Um, I would like to. I'm going to try to hit a couple of parlays this weekend. And maybe hit a couple parlays yeah. this weekend. Maybe we could buy the Suns and yes. we'll, we'll own the Suns yeah. and we can have some fun with that. And maybe the Mercury would be a better bet because. Buy them both. Buy them both. Yes. WNBA is rocking right now. And, and, hey, and let's jump to that real quick because I talked about it very briefly. Oh. But <laughs> our girl, Becky Hammond, pulled it off. Yeah, the yeah. Vegas Faces won the WNBA title back on Sunday. Yes. I hate that the. the Hate that their finals games were on Thursday night, Saturday, and Sunday. Yeah. Where the games two, three, and four, because they're up against NFL football, college football, and, and NFL, football. NFL football on Sunday afternoon. Yeah. But Becky Hammond, first year at the Las Vegas Aces, owner Mark Davis, they they win the WNBA title. And um, dude, I I speculated with Tyler Jones this past week. I think Becky Hammond should be the coach of the Lakers. Oh, she should definitely land in the NBA. And I'll be curious to see what offers she considers. She's fantastic. She's been in the league as a scout and an assistant coach. And um, she's top notch. And I'm tired of a lot of these sports kind of having that glass ceiling, so to speak. And so, cheers to her. Congratulations. And there was some some talk a couple of years ago that she was going to replace Popovich in San Antonio. And then she ended up interviewing for a couple of jobs. She She interviewed for the Nuggets at one point. She didn't get either job. Um, And then I just saw it. I'm trying to find it now. But in the last two to three days, Greg Popovich hired another woman coach. Hey. For the Spurs. He gets it. Props to Pop. Yeah. Uh, Let him, if if no one else seems to be willing in the NBA to actually figure out when the hell human relationships are and human abilities are, let Pop just funnel people in. And frankly, it may make him stay as a head coach longer. Yeah. He was actually, it was like Pop was at the Aces game after game two. Fantastic. Both the team. Yeah. I, awesome. I, I've always been a fan of his. And I like and a lot of that's because of how who he is off the court. Absolutely. And he's a big reason why Becky Hammond had this opportunity. And sure. I, I, I hope that I hope she if she stays in the WNBA, which is her right, I hope she dominates. Oh, she oh. absolutely dominates. For sure. And if she doesn't, I would love, and I'm not a fan of the Lakers, but I think the Lakers are the perfect opportunity because the one guy in the league who has enough power to stand with her is LeBron. LeBron. And LeBron is the guy who can stand next to her and go, I'm with this. And if you're not with this, fuck you. I can see that to a point. He's just not going to be around Long he may enough. not be around long enough. It's the issue now. He he's getting older now. So it, hell, hell, he shaved his head. He did. He came on home. LeBron came home. It, it's funny, you know. Bo Monty Jones talks about LeBron needs to come on home. He's been saying it for five or six years now. 
LeBron finally did it. Mm-hmm. He needs to trim up that beard if he's going to do it, though. No, I like the bushy beard. Do you? I see. I think the bushy beard look look whack. I just no. I I I like the bushy beard. No, you you're into the bushy beard thing. I'm not in the bushy beard. Not my thing. <laughs> All right. My comments. We'll move along. <laughs> I, we're going to get into the DraftKings segment here. So we are so happy DraftKings is with us. And uh, right now, if you have not checked our show link, you in the show notes, you'll see a link. You can go to DraftKings, sign up, and get up to $200 in free bets, free money when you, when you put down your first $5 bet on DraftKings. It's still going for another week or so. There'll be some more stuff after that, but we thank DraftKings for sponsoring the podcast. And we're going to do our picks now. What are our picks now? I am one in three on the DraftKings picks so far. I went one and two last week. They're going 0 and two the first week. You are two and up. I am. <laughs> now, I, again, I'm picking two games. A week you're picking one, but I have felt strongly about this, so I haven't been like, "Oh, I'm getting killed because of the extra picks." No, I'm gonna let you start. You you've got a pick this week, and you, you're riding I, the hot hand. I I am still going homer. I uh, Bo should not be discounted on his picks at all. I am going to go straight homer for Ku beating Duke. So they are minus seven currently. I'm not going to take the over under because that's a little questionable. I don't know if I will pick a parlay later on, but I would imagine that I would tend to buy into something with Jalen Daniels and the number of touchdown passes he throws. Okay. All right. And those are all options you can get to in DraftKings. Now, absolutely. I personally do not do a lot of the player option stuff. It's just to me, it's very unpredictable. I try to stick with spreads and, and, and over unders. Yes. But I have a couple of picks. You're taking the Jayhawks minus seven. Yep. I am taking a team that we've already taken once before. And I've ridden these guys written with these guys so far this season, but I haven't talked about it on the pod. USC. Oh. I am full on with USC this week. We're doing the Trojan. We're doing the Trojan Trojan March. Thing. Yeah. yeah. Um, so USC is laying six at Oregon State. Okay. I just like the USC offense. They had okay. a big game. out. I thought they'd blow out Stanford last week. I was correct. They did. They, they handled Stanford in that game. Um, I think they'll do the same thing this week to Oregon State. I'll take USC minus six. Okay. And, and that. the other one, this is a little risky. And this is a little oh. bit of a prop. Alabama. Now, I got to get the full spread up here. <laughs> Alabama. This hurts your feelings it. a little bit, doesn't it? it? It does hurt a little bit. But I'll always give props when props are due. Um, I really wanted to jump on Georgia this week, but that is just way too many points to consider. Um, But I jumped on Alabama in the first quarter, minus 11. Oof. So you're basically saying they're going to score at least 13? 
Yeah, I got him scoring two touchdowns and being a 14 nothing at the end of the first quarter. And I'm trying to get the game pulled up here. It is. Great podcast, and you don't have any sound for a couple. Yeah, of it's super awesome. Yeah. While I'm watching uh, Aaron yeah. Judge, well, well, well Bo tries to find the damn game so he can remember who the hell it, it's. It's such a bad non-con game that it's. It, it, I'm sorry, it's Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, it's not a non-con. It is Vanderbilt. Oh, um, okay. But it's, it's on SEC Network, six thirty. Yep. I'm sorry. Yes, it's on SEC Network, six thirty. Um, Vanderbilt at Alabama. Alabama. Oh, Vandy at Alabama. Yeah. Alabama at home. Mm. They're three and oh, they're huge favorites in this game. They're like 42 point favorites. I'm never laying that many points in the game just because that's a ridiculous number of points that backdoor covers are going to kill you on. Yeah. So the smart kids at Vandy are going to come through somehow. Yeah. So I just, even if it's just a backdoor deal, I'm not going to deal with that. So Bama plus 11 in the first quarter. I'm sorry, minus 11 in the first quarter. And then I got one for Sunday. And I was looking at NFL games. And I got to tell you, I don't have a good feel for NFL games at all this week. I haven't even looked at them. But I got one that jumped off the page at me. And I'm taking the Rams at the Cardinals. Rams laying three and a half. Okay. Cardinals did what they did, beat the Raiders, you know, scoring twice in the last two minutes, last three minutes of that game. And they had the big fourth quarter. That's the Raiders. The I'm gonna take the Rams here. Rams are gonna outpace them. I just I like this is it's a better defense. Kyler Murray gonna run away from Aaron Donald all day. Okay. Give me the Rams minus three and a half. So where's the three favorites? Is it at the Cardinals or in it's at the Cardinals 325 on Fox? Okay. All right. Yeah. Which I don't think that's gonna be our local game. I think we're getting I think we're getting Green Bay and Tampa here. I don't know. I don't know what we're getting. I haven't I, after last week's fiasco of what local game we get. I was complaining about that on the top of Jones report. I was like, we gotta sit through the Texans and the Broncos in Kansas City. What is that all about? That was a horrible game. I mean, you watch that game. You're local in Denver. Did you watch the game? No, not my. Just outplayed the Broncos the entire game. It was kind of one of those things that was in the background because it was the only game on, and we were doing other things. So for our draft, a quick review for our DraftKings segment this week. Yes. Ellen's taking KU minus seven. Yep. I'm taking Bama minus eleven in the first quarter. USC minus, that's the one I feel the strongest about is USC minus six. The Rams minus three and a half on Sunday. Okay. And I may have a bonus pick that'll be Twitter only. And maybe on I'll Saturday. jump in on that too. Yeah, We may have a bonus pick on that. I uh, Last week was when I hit USC was one of the bonus picks I had on Twitter. So. Yeah. yeah. So I do, I do like USC. They're going to score points. Yeah, so, all right. Last thing, you're going to have to lead on this one because I haven't watched it yet. Okay. We're both we're both kind of Star Wars people. You like it a little more than I do, and I like it. But have you watched Andor yet? Uh, so I'm a geek. Um, okay. I 
<laughs> I spent part of the pandemic catching up on all the Marvel stuff because I haven't watched most of it. But Star Wars, yes, I've been in from the go. And Andor released three episodes on Wednesday. And these are taking place prior to Rogue One. So if you're trying to do a timeline kind of figure and it's with the the lead character and or and basically kind of building this character out and and really trying to figure out what implemented his decision to go against the Empire and basically provide the plans which then created the things for A New Hope blah 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 um the three episodes uh were lovely i was really kind of confused frankly the first two episodes in part because there was a lack of translation that was clarified in episode three i'm not here to do spoilers but I think watching them in that three episode block was really, really good. Okay. And it builds out a world, especially in Star Wars, that we haven't ever probably really seen. So Okay. I I really dig the Obi-Wan Kenobi. I, I that's my favorite one of my favorite characters. Um, Cassian Andor was the Diego, Diego Luna character yeah. from Rogue One. Rogue One is my second favorite of all the Star Wars movies. Otherwise known as the dealer in uh, Narcos. Narcos. I, I freaking love Narcos. So fantastic in that. He's great in Narcos. Um, Narcos season two is my favorite. Though. Oh, interesting. Season two is my favorite. Season. Okay. I, I kind of have a thing about Pedro Pascal. I think he's great. Pedro is beautiful. Yeah, that's why the, the Mandalorian. That's why I didn't get into the Mandalorian as hard as that he could the mask, get the helmet on. He's you know? just doing voices. Yeah, and then you have the whole Grogu thing, which that kicked me out quickly. Ah, I, I, baby Yoda. I, that's why be- I don't like Baby Yoda. Yoda is my least favorite character in the whole. You are the oddest Yo- thing. Then. Yoda and the and the Ewoks. Are the two things I hate about Okay. I mean, Ewoks, a lot of people will side with you, but Yoda and Baby Yoda, you're going to be revolted against. Yes, I admit it. I stopped watching The Mandalorian after a couple of episodes because of it. And I just, it wasn't because it was bad. It was really good. One, I don't get to sit down and watch a lot of stuff. And I made it an appointment watching for Obi-Wan Kenobi, though. Ian McGregor is great as Obi-Wan Kenobi. And then Darth Vader is my favorite character in pretty much maybe in all movies. So, yeah, okay. I, yeah, I'm a dark side for life kind of guy. I, you I, know, I'm here for you for that. You know, I, I admit, I, if you ever want to see something really funny on the internet, have you ever seen Doc Vader? Probably you, not. Years ago, one of the doctors, I think Doctor Z on YouTube, did a series of little stories where he dresses up as a doctor dressed up as Darth Vader and it's just hilarious stuff 
And okay. I would I would take take a few minutes. They're like three or four minutes each. They're they're really kind of funny and cute. And and it's it'll make it'll give you a good laugh. Basically, if you think about Darth Vader, his left the left the empire and he's become a doctor. Okay. Yeah. And it's just and basically a comedian doing it. It's it's pretty funny stuff. But it, anyway, he um I was all about Obi-Wan Kenobi. I did not watch Bubba Fett yet. I'm gonna to have to get back once the weather's cold outside and it's not going outside to do stuff. I'll probably hit all those up. Okay. I am gonna watch Andor because I really like Diego Luna. So let's, my favorite actors. I will be watching this. I'll probably let's watch this. Reconnect when you've checked any other boxes, but I will say if you just take a moment and watch Rogue One again and then jump into Andor, okay, you're fine. And I've seen Rogue One probably 50 times. I Rogue One's my second favorite of all the movies. Okay. I, I, I love that movie. I think it's the best. I think it's the second best one. So I think The Empire Strikes Back's the best best one. I think Rogue One's second. I would estimate that dropping into that world mm-hmm. is going to be something that is very pleasant for you. Okay. I'm sure I'll like it. And again, I like him a lot. I think he's a great actor. I yeah. like that character. So if you're going to build off a character, that's a good one to pick. Well, and we all know also how it is. You get a really big name to do it in, in Diego Luna. So. It's, you know, spoiler alert, Andor, Cassian Andor dies in Rogue One. Yeah. So this is the buildup to get to where yeah, he, dies. he yeah. was. Yeah. And, and Rogue One's so good. I mean, that's... I, I really like it. Yeah. So I mean, that... Again, I, I go back to, I will have to talk one day fully about this, but I mean, to me, Empire Strikes Back is by far the best. Okay. And then Rogue One. And then I can go with the original Star Wars, the, the New Hope. The New Hope. And then I'm kind of all over the place with the rest of them. All right. My least favorite was that last one. Solo or no yeah, solo uh, movie good yeah rise, i forgot about rise. solo because it was a bad movie too no it was rise of skywalker the last skywalker the last skywalker i there liked was, that movie there was parts of it i really didn't like and then um the one that i don't like that everybody gives me shit about mm-hmm. i hate the return of the Jedi. okay hate that movie. but Probably my least, one of my two or three least favorites. I think I probably need to do a proper well, watch. I could watch that movie for half of it. Oh. Once they've rescued Han, the yep. movie's pretty much over for me. I don't need because... any other stuff after that. I don't need the Ewoks. I don't need Darth Vader throwing the Emperor over the thing. I don't need um, anyone in a bikini. Now, no, she's in the beginning in the bikini. I, I, I like that part. That's Once what I'm saying. Him, huh? I'm saying that she... <laughs> I can, I'm with it till then. Now, also, I'm a big Han Solo guy. And how can you not like Carrie Fisher? I mean, come on. Just right. saying, if you're thinking about how you're spacing things. Yeah. But I just don't... Uh, I don't jive with the in the second half. The back half of Return of the Jedi. You know, Yoda finally dies. Personally, I'd have killed Yoda myself. I'd have taken care of that. I always wish that Mace Windu would have been. This is why I need to re-watch the first three because I can't. 
speak anything in the first three the prequels. Well, either of those first three, the first three would have been better with a different actor, which sucks for it. For, it sucks for Hayden Christensen because he came back to do Obi Wan Kenobi, and he wasn't bad in Obi Wan Kenobi. It's just that he was young and not a very good actor in those prequels. So that's why I'm not sure that it would matter who was in that role. Yeah. They would have been hosed regardless. You may be right. You may be right. That's a tough one because you know that that, because you, it's hard to sympathize with that character knowing what he becomes. Sympathize, empathize, and just depart from what you think this person is. Yeah. You know, he's going to become so. Plus I just, I love Darth Vader. I, no, you love James Earl Jones. Yeah, you love well, you love that he's a badass. I mean, that's the thing about that character. But that's the I thing. also I root for the bad guys in movies a lot. I root which for is him. fine. I, I rooted for Hannibal Lecter. I rooted for Joe Pesci and Goodfellas. I again totally great. I think the thing that I rooted for Paulo Obaraki. Which gets lost in Star Wars is people get too tied into the voice of James Earl Jones instead of Darth Vader as an entity. Hmm. Interesting way to put it. I don't know. So I would challenge you to take a look at... I don't know that I necessarily agree. Darth Vader being who he is. Oh, he's a terrible person. Yes. No, 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 no. Just being who he is and the goals he's trying to achieve, uh-huh. as opposed to hearing it in James Earl Jones's voice. Yes, that's what they did so well at the end of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. Yes. Any empathy that you had was gone at the end of Obi Wan Kenobi. Yeah. So that would be my only challenge to you. I, I will check out Andor. We will talk about it next week. Please. Now, they drop in three episodes each time, or is it drop three? Uh, probably not. I think the the first week was three. My guess would be one or two. Because they're doing 12 this season, and then they're doing 12 the second season. So we've got a finite number of episodes that they are going. But the first three season, the first three episodes, excuse me, um, meld together very well and it makes sense why they drop them together okay well very cool i will check it all out so i i do want to watch it so good i just don't get a lot of chance to watch a lot of tv i watch a lot of sports okay no you have choices you just yeah. choose to you know what i you know what i did watch this week finally was i kept seeing the meme for this and it was the meme from the movie legend the one with uh, tom hardy have you seen that it's on netflix Finally, watch. It's about the two British, the brothers, it's like the twin brothers, they're both played by Tom Hardy, that are like British mobsters. So the only reason why that's trending is because he was fighting in mixed martial arts. Well, it was trending for the last few months, last couple of months, because there's like the video of the different types of Tom Hardys there. I got a party thing. It's but he actually I, I won a couple he, of. He did win. I did see that he won an MMA or like a, a jujitsu contest. Yes. So and that's did, the reason why any of it is trending. Yeah. But I did watch that movie over this last week. I had to watch it kind of in halves. And I thought it was okay. It wasn't great. It started out good. And the second half was kind of a letdown. 
I'd much rather promote um, my friend and who you'd like to be your friend, yes. Aunt Tran, her movie for tomorrow, which is still get it on uh, Amazon Plus or Amazon Prime, sorry. Great documentary about people who are doing incredible things that are in uh, situations which just aren't accommodating to them. So I really appreciate you, Bo, trying to amplify that. And I did watch it. I need to re-watch it. Um, but it's, it's really amazing to see what these people are doing. Yeah, we need to try to get out on the podcast, too. Uh, eventually, we'll, we'll we know we're going to work it out eventually. Yes, <laughs> uh, we'll get it. We'll get it done eventually. Yes. Yeah. So, hey, let's. Uh, one last thing we want to get in. We do have one more plug to put in real quick, and that is for our friends at DoorDash. So, our friends at DoorDash are still say you, you use our link in the show notes. You can save ten dollars in your first three orders. We actually used DoorDash over the weekend at our house. So it was much needed. Uh, neither of us wanted to cook on Sunday, and so we did that, and it was great. So uh, don't forget. So if you see the link in the show notes, you'll see a couple of them in there. One for DraftKings, uh, get you $200 of free bets. So you got to do is place your deposit and you pick, pick a $5 bet. And then DoorDash, $10 off your first three orders. New accounts only for both of those. Check out the links in the show notes. We appreciate both DraftKings and DoorDash for helping us out today. Uh, we're going to get out of here on that. So I want to thank Tyler Jones, everybody at Studio Soapbox for all you do behind the scenes. Uh, I want to thank you, Ellen, as always, for coming on. You're so great. You've been great with the time today. I appreciate it. Uh, thank most you. importantly, thank you to you, the listener. Don't forget to rate us and review us. Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, anywhere you get your podcast, we appreciate every five-star review. Until Monday, I'm Coach Bo Brian O'Connor. Have a great weekend. Remember, your time tokens are non-refundable. We'll see you then.